There you go. Okay. So just by um, review, short, short review of what we talked about last week. Uh, we talked about several things. Uh, we talked a little bit about some testimony from us as far as how we were unintentionally influenced by the poor relationship of other people and how that not being prepared for that, how that impacted our own in individual relationship with each other. Um, we said that our relationships are literally life and death serious. Um, and I don't, know how to, I don't know how to describe this any other way. Um, not only is our relationship life and death with our Savior, as far as, for being blunt, heaven or hell, but it's also life and death between the two of us. Um, and the things that we do have those kinds of consequences, and we need to take our relationships that kind of serious. Uh, finish the others? Go ahead. Um, okay. Uh, then we said the best way to take our relationships seriously is to be intentional. Uh, we talked about some ideas of what that was. Um, and then, based on the book and the things that we've been studying, the best way we've found to be intentional is to try and live naked in our relationships. Um, where we talked about what Andy and Paulette talked about. Um, last week, we also talked about what the idea or the concept, when someone says to you, um, live naked. What does that mean? Um, what are the, what does that, what does that imply to you guys? Um, comments? What do you, what do you think of when someone says to you, not the clothing part of it, but emotional, some, emotionally, spiritual, spiritual <laughs> mental, when you're thinking of those kind of aspects and someone says live naked, what does that mean? open-minded. Certainly. Yeah. Being transparent. Transparent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's what we just said. Um, we also talked about it being honest. Gene? That's kind of scary. That's awesome. And we're going to talk about that because yeah. that's, that's kind of a scary thing. Um, talked about being real. Yeah. Think of a mask the same way. Bear all, meaning bearing everything you have, bearing your bearing your thoughts, your actions. Yeah. That pretty much covers what we talked about. Um, so this week, uh, in the book, the premise that Jeff uses is he makes this statement. We are called to live naked, stripped of pride, self-sufficiency, and false humility, so that you can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. His glory, a reflection of Him, is what we were designed to wear instead of the rags that we put on to hide our inadequacies. So what does it mean to be stripped of pride, self-sufficiency, and false humility? That's a pretty big statement. It's kind of deep. Took me a while to die. It, it is scary. Scary. Why is it scary? You used to live in well before I before I became a Christian. Um, I was responsible for everything. I paid the bills. I went to work. I brought food home. Um, everything that happened was my responsibility and my actions 
if I took a couple of days off from work, I played hooky, I didn't get paid. And you know, so my choices were, it was all about me and what I did. And then learning the, the Christian way and relying on him, that was hard to release. Uh, I was actually shocked by a guy, we were going downstairs for uh, Sunday school after service, and a guy stood up and he was talking about um, submitting everything to God, you know, committing it to God, and and that he wants, gosh, how do you put it? He wants the big stuff, but he wants the small little things too. Uh, and that God really does. struck me because I wasn't anything. I was still counting on this right here. And it's like, well, the big things, you know, marriage and jobs and kids and all that kind of stuff, small stuff too. You know, I, I couldn't give anything. So it was a hard walk to start praying about things this much. It is. It's hard to be 100% honest with each other, but I have also found it's really hard for me to be 100% honest with God, which is really a weird concept because he already yeah, knows, he knows. <laughs> Um So what am I being honest about? He already knows. But how much of what I'm being honest about am I willing to really confess to him and share with him? Um, Ron, you had a comment? I did because that statement talks about pride and false humility. Yeah. And kind of both. And it's hard because depending on our religious upbringing when we became Christians, sometimes pride would eat out of us as opposed to surrendering. And we were taught to behave in a particular way. And so the it seems like with Christianity, becoming Christians, oftentimes the pride is replaced by false humility. Yeah. And so it's that both of them would be in the same sentence was kind of uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I, I too found it interesting that he differ, differentiated between the two, um, because I would think of the opposite of pride as being humility, but that wasn't necessarily true. You can you can show false humility to cover up your pride by you know their um, statements of saying. Um, now we'll get into it in a little bit. I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, the other thing that just I saw in this statement, and this is kind of some of the stuff Jason was talking about upstairs today, was this means we must completely die to ourselves, 100% every day, all the time. Um, and what exactly does that mean? Well, it means putting yourself on the cross so that your needs, your desires, your will is now given to the given to Christ and say okay Lord what you want what you want not what I want what you want in everything in how I talk to her and how I handle my kids and how I talk to my friends um, everything uh, you know it's, it's something that I think back to the uh, the movie uh, kids movie frozen <laughs> and there was times when men when they would be having a heated conversation <laughs> and our kids the girls they would just start singing the song let it go let it go let it yeah go. Oh, man. and it wow would, it would i mean at times it would 
I mean, we chuckle at it, but yeah. it's like they was hearing they something it. or feeling something, and they would just, mm-hmm. they didn't want to say, Daddy, let it go. Just stop. They yeah. would just start singing it out. Mm-hmm. And it, They've done the same you know, to us. Just so you know, our kids have done the same to us. Not with the song. They'll look at us and they'll be like, dude, just let it go. It's not that big a deal. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I really do care, and it has to be done the right. It has to be done the right way. not my definition but to one I'm adopting <laughs> um, so in trying to learn it yeah Well, yeah, you're not half dead. There's, there's no, there's no half dead. You're either alive or you're dead. So you're right. You're either you're obedient or you're not. Right. Just like someone had asked me, well, have you ever prayed about God asking God to help you stop shopping? No. It's like, well, why? Because I don't want to stop. Pretty much. I'm not going to be a hypocrite, you know, and then go and do all this convention, and then as soon as I get that Macy's discount, ten dollars off card. I'm right back in the store, and I'm just being honest. I just, I'm just not ready to let it go. I feel your pain. Just so you know, I'm right there with you. Hey, not on my part. Not on your part. On my part, because I'm the spender, not her. I'm the spender. Me when you get ready to shop, I'm like, well, your phone's not going to ring because I'm not calling you. you yeah. Know? <laughs> so they get it, but the, the bottom line, I don't want to stop, ultimately. Right. And you're making that decision. And you're, and whether you're consciously making that decision or subconsciously making the decision, you're still making the decision to say, I don't really want to stop doing what I'm doing. So we're going to keep that little segment for ourselves. And Lord, you can have the rest. Right, right. Doesn't work. And that's really it's right. It's, it's, it's completely wrong. Because no, but it's, right. it's honest, and right. it's how we as human beings live, and unfortunately. And there's still consequences to that. And yes, there I is. I can play that game all day long with God, but God can say, okay, 
cool. I'll just cause you to get laid off your job. Now what you gonna do? You know, if I keep playing that way. So. Well, and that's the thing. He does things to get our attention. Right. Yeah. So who was the f when we think of living naked? Who do we think of? Adam and Eve. Exactly. So Adam and Eve were not only naked physically, but they were probably also exposed mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. They had no reason to hide anything from each other. There were no defects in their minds or emotions or souls. Sin was not a part of their life. Can you imagine being one-minded in spirit with your maker? And every thought and attitude completely exposed to God without reservation? No wonder they lived an extraordinary life. I can't, in my sinful self, I can't really, ex I can't really get a hold of the idea of every thought and every attitude completely exposed to God with no reservations, not holding something back. Because then I'm admitting and he's seeing just how horrible of a person I really am. He's seeing all the dark corners in my head and all the dark closets and all the baggage that we carry. But you had a comment. Well, I was thinking about before the fall, every thought would have been aligned with God's law. Yeah, it is. And to be, to be that in sync, uh, and to not have any all reservation, the, all the baggage that we all carry around with us, um, <coughs> that's pretty cool. He doesn't, you know? but we, we do. do. But we do. I mean, and that's, you know, that's, that's putting ourselves as judge. That's putting ourselves yeah. in his position. You know? yeah. Which mean, we do a lot. You know, I mean, the only part that he cares about our baggage, our dark secrets, is that they prevent us from living, living what he's called us to do to the fullest. Yes, it does. But that's you know, what we're talking about. But, but How we, do we? Yeah, we act like God really cares about our junk. Well, like he doesn't already know. I mean, if we're being honest. But he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't hold judgment against that junk because that judgment was taken care of on the cross. Yes, it was. You know, so that's that's and he doesn't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just... No, it's all right. No, but you're right. I mean, he he. I don't know that I'd say he doesn't care about our baggage, but it doesn't affect his relationship with us. He doesn't judge us by our baggage. We, we do, which hinders our relationship with him. Well, and how does, not in the notes again, but um, <laughs> how does, and I think this is something we talked about with the four of us, uh, Ron and Jean, the idea of when you talk to God, how does he respond to that? He's not punished, he's not punitive, in his reaction to us. We think of a father at, in our humanness as being maybe punitive in the way he responds to our like confessions. But I don't think he is. Um, we were talking... Uh, there was uh, a thing that happened in class a couple of years ago. You remember we were talking about 
you know, when Christ is walking through and he sees Zacchaeus in the tree, everybody always says, Zacchaeus, you come down. Is that really what God did or was it Zacchaeus? I want a fellowship with you. And I think so many times we look at God as saying, did you do that again? And he's not. And uh, same, same idea. I was thinking of the prodigal son, and I don't know where I heard this this past week, but when the son came home, he was totally repentant and totally broken. And the father totally embraced him. There was not, you wasted all my money, you blew it, you... The, the son was already there. He didn't need to do that. How many times when we come back to the father and say, oh, Lord, I really messed up, he's not wagging his finger at us. He's there with open arms loving us, wanting us to come back into his fellowship. That's a really different concept of, of God, of who he is and how he treats us. Um, the idea of being Adam and Eve naked, if you want to call it that, with somebody, um, and even with God on some level, is kind of scary. At least it was, it is for me. Um, when I'm even a little naked, I feel embarrassed. Sometimes I feel shame. But Adam and Eve felt none of that. They were completely unencumbered by human expectation and impure motives. Okay, we all know how the story ends, right? It ends with the fall of man. From this point on, we are aware of our blemishes, flaws, weaknesses. We experience embarrassment, humiliation, and we begin covering up. We've been hiding ourselves with clothes of all sorts ever since. Uh, from this point on, we humans have been hiding our bodies and hearts from God and each other, but if we are honest with ourselves, we know this covering up doesn't work, does it? If we're honest, we know, A, we really can't hide anything from God. He already sees it all. But even with our spouse and those who are in close relationship with our friends, if they're really friends, they know us. They know the things we do, the idiosyncrasies that make us unique or annoying. Um, she knows when I'm trying to pull one over on her by not telling her the whole story or the, only the good parts of the story. Um, and, I, and vice versa is true. I can tell when she's not being totally honest. Um, so who are we hiding it from? We're hiding it from ourselves. But we know even going in, and I don't know if any of you have had this experience, even going into the half-truth, half-baked story, you know going in, they're not going to buy this. <laughs> and this isn't going to work. But does it stop us? It doesn't stop me most times. I still barge right through it, thinking I'll skate out of this one. That's smart. <laughs> so, um, so why is it so hard to be naked physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually with each other? I think we can all figure out the physical part. So let's focus on the mental, emotional, and spiritual side. What are some of the things we use to protect ourselves from exposure? Any ideas? Isolation. Isolation, sure. Stay away. Joe? We learn how to wear masks. Yeah, we sure do. Christian cliches. Yeah. 
comedy. Trick of being funny. Trying to make everybody laugh. Yeah. Hide our insecurity. What about our ego? We tout our education, show how smart we are, brag about all the good things we're doing, helping this homeless person over here, helping those helping the kids over here, serving in church, doing different things. Speaks to your motive too. Yeah. 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 The idea of he mentioned it in that quote we read at the beginning, self sufficiency. I got this. I can handle it. It's all okay. Everything's all good. I'm the man. Um, false humility. I'm really not that extraordinary. We can fool a lot of people with the idea of, I'm not that great. How many people, when they pay you a compliment, do you just say, well, thank you? Instead of, ah, it's not that big a deal. Ah, no big deal. Well, you're dismissing the whole thing. And that's, most times, that's motivated out of a false humility. Because deep down inside, that feeds your, that feeds your ego, feeds your pride. And it's not really humility. It's just a show of humility. So what does the Bible say about these things? In Isaiah 64, 6, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So basically, Scripture just says all the things that we do are like filthy rags. That kind of... <laughs> Kind of a bummer, to say the least. Nothing we can do will be good enough to measure up. Um, basically, we're saying that all of the things that we use to hide behind, things we use to boost our self-confidence, to justify our own self-worth, all of those things, they're all worthless. The Lord sees right through them all. Half the time, we can see right through them all. I mean, we've all met that person where you walk up and you meet them, and they're like, and you walk away as a couple, you walk away, and you're going, Yeah, that guy was full of it. That guy was so slick, you could see him coming. You know, we've all met people like that where you walk away and you can see right through them right off the bat. Didn't stop him from or her from putting it out there that way, but. We all see it. Yeah. I know a lot of, there's nothing my boss can do that's good enough. There's nothing my spouse can do that's good enough. There's nothing, you know, we almost use that as a judgment against other people. Um, and I think that's part of our mask because we. We need to hide behind the righteousness that we're doing, so therefore everything that you're doing is filthy rags. You never try hard enough. You never, you know, okay. you never, whatever. I just, I see that verse played out in a lot of different relationships. Um, and I've never seen that 
until you spoke that, that, that somehow we use that verse. And I don't know, you know, Ron, Joe, if, if you guys are kind of seeing my perspective. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the context really of that verse really talks about <clears throat> us trying to do anything outside of Christ. Right. Right. On our own accord. Yeah. And in our own strength. And unfortunately, many of us that are Chris blessings that are Christians, and no matter how long we have been Christians, it's very difficult for us to get to that point of realizing that we can't do anything, right? Because what that scripture is saying, you can't do anything, zero, zilch, nada, outside of Christ. But many times, right, um, you know, I talk about loving Leona. There's no way I can love Leona the way that God wants me to love Leona unless I'm loving her through Christ. Now, I can do all the pretty things. I can buy her flowers. I can tell her all sweet nothings. I can do all that stuff, right, in my own strength. But the, the problem is that in, my, in Joe's strength, at some point, I'm going to fail, yeah. right? And that scripture really is telling us that that's where we have to, that's where we have to be. If we're going to be what God has really called us to be, we've got to begin to realize that it's got to be done through Christ because doing it in our own strength, trying to do it on our own merit, it's not going to work. It's going to fail eventually. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know that's one of the things that we've talked about. When we've gone through the bad times, it's like you have to remember that you're doing it for God. You're not doing it for the relationship that you're in because he's going to make me mad, and then I'm not going to want to do it because I'm mad at him. But if I'm doing it because God wants me to do it, that does that shouldn't stop, regardless of what's going on here, and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Right? <laughs> So what are we to do? What what makes the first couple so proud? Pro, pro, so profound. That. Yeah, try that again. So profound. What makes the first couple so profound? Their innocence. Yeah. I mean, what else? They didn't have sin, certainly. Right. Yeah. Jeff Bogue in the book makes the argument that what makes them so profound was that the first couple was was actually clothed in clothes that were made by their creator. In other words, they were clothed in God's own glory. Their nakedness was the very thing that allowed God's power and glory to be reflected in their lives. What made them extraordinary wasn't the fact that they were naked. It was that God's glory shone through their nakedness. That's how they could live in such harmony with each other and with God. So in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplates the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with, every, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God wants us to remove the veil. He wants us to... He wants us to remove our clothes so that we can be mirrors that reflect the glory of God. 
<laughs> yeah. Right? We all struggle with what to wear. I mean, if we're going to talk about clothes, I didn't change my shirt three times today, but I have on occasion before. Put something on and go, oh, that doesn't look good. And not to be embarrassing, but I know she's changed her outfit multiple times before we've gone out on certain occasions, trying to get that right look or get that something that's the most comfortable. You put something on, you're like, oh, that doesn't fit anymore. Um, so how often do we struggle with that? And yet, Christ's glory is our ultimate clothing. This is going to be a flood for cleansing stream as well, which the retreat was just yesterday. Okay. Event. Um, but one of the things that they, that they talk about at that event in Toronto Center is shame is a huge hindrance to being able to live naked and to and and they talk about um, lifting that veil of shame from yeah. us. And oftentimes we carry shame not because of things we did, but probably more often because of things that were done to us. And so it's really important to have healing for that. So that we can better able to lift that veil of shame, and you know, um, and the one verse that they talk about is so that they can look upon the Father and no longer have that shame. They can look at Him unashamed, mm-hmm. and that's the time that the glory can actually fall upon an individual. And we've seen that so many times when we've been praying for an individual, that glory does actually fall upon them, and their entire countenance can change. Yeah. So the important aspect of that is understanding that there is that healing for those things that were done to us that cause us to carry that shame. Joe. I like where you guys are going. I think that there's something really important to answer your question. Why we kind of do all this stuff and wear the mask and, and why we don't live naked. And if you go back to Genesis, um, I think Adam gives us the answer, um, and this happens after the fall. This is this is uh, in verse nine, right? Genesis three, verse nine. So it's after the fall. The Lord's walking in the garden, and then the Lord says to the man in verse nine, "But the Lord called to the man, Where are you?'" And the man answered, "I heard you in the garden, and I was a." because I was naked. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing about why we don't live naked is because we're afraid. We don't live naked before God, which like you said, is a passion because we already know because we're afraid. Yeah. But I believe that why God does that is because Scripture says perfect love casts out all fear. And God wants us to know that it's okay to live naked before him and all the stuff that whether we have done or has been done to us, it's okay to come out and let God see that because God's ultimate is that he wants to heal you from those sins so that you can go on to live a life that he has for you. And we have the same fear with each other, right? The reason that I don't live naked before you or others is because I'm afraid. I'm afraid 
if I live naked before you, the thing Jean said before, if I live naked before you, you may see my imperfection. You'll see my scars. You see the places where you thought I might have been all that and I wasn't, right? And I'm afraid to be exposed. I'm afraid to show you those things because maybe you'll reject me. Maybe you'll ridicule me. Maybe you'll turn your back and walk away from me. And the deepest scars that a human being can have is to get to a point of vulnerability, to get to a point of finally getting up the courage to say something, that I've got an issue or I'm hurting or I'm suicidal or whatever it is, and get to that point and have that person that I'm now exposing myself to, to reject me or to criticize me or to turn their back on me because that leaves a scar 10 times deeper than the scar that I was given. And why it's so important for us that understand relational care, or even having begin to understand the beginnings of relational care, is that the most important thing that you can do is when a human being gets ready to open up to you in any way, shape, or form, okay? That's where the love of Christ comes in. That's where the hug comes in. That's where the encouragement comes in. That's where the rejoice with those that rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, Romans 12, 1 comes in. Okay? Because now you give that person the exact same thing that God wants to give us. And when we come to God and say, God, in all my, I'm exposing myself here, and God does not point that finger and go, well, you've been a Christian for 15 years. You ought to know better. Okay? That's not God. That's some religious institution trying to point some kind of religious garbage in you. Because the God that you serve does not do that. Okay? He knows that, but he's trying to get you to see that so that he can give the love and the encouragement to you to realize, you know what, it's okay. It's all right. Like Gene says, I already know that. But what I want to do is I want to love you where you're at. We can never forget that God wants to love you where you're at. But we got to know where we're at. God already knows where we're at. Uh -huh. Well, and the other thing that I think is important to, to clarify, too, is um, we're not necessarily commanded to walk out into the world naked and exposed and just throw our there. stuff out mm -hmm. there for the whole world to see and for them to beat on and to trash. Um, we're talking about in our relationships, one-on-one -on -one with one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. We're talking about dealing with our spouse or our friends or somebody close to us. In those situations, I think it's very clear that the Lord wants to roll through us. And if we allow ourselves to be a mirror of Him, and what he's doing, then yeah, then we can expose, then we can reflect Christ's love back to that individual. Um, Sue, real, real quick, be said. Go ahead. How can we, in our relationships, whether it's with our spouse or a close friend or adult child or whoever, yeah. um, how can we create an atmosphere so that they'll be willing to, that they'll feel safe to share 
You mean as far as uh, creating an environment or a, well, I mean, cause, a, a safe place kind of a well, thing? Well, I'm thinking because people, thinking of myself, general, and maybe this generalization, maybe the reason why people don't, um, aren't authentic is because they've been hurt. Sure. Well, you said that, actually, Joseph. And so, So like if it's, you know, if I'm wanting, say my friend, best friend or whoever to be authentic or to open up, but I know they've been deeply wounded. So. Lead by example. Yeah, I think some. But it takes time. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I think it. I don't think it's something that you can just turn on or off. Um, I think. I would say that in that in that relationship, if it's your best friend, for example, um, they're going to have to know you well enough to know that you're not going to judge them or criticize them. Sometimes we have to say some hard things to people. Sometimes what they need to hear is, dude, you gotta straighten up and fly right. You're not, this is what the word says, come on now. Um, at the same time, there are ways to do that without um, judgment and or you know, cutting their scars open. Um, and I think, I think that's where it's really, really important that we allow Christ to run through us. Because I don't think there's one pat answer to answer that question. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a way where we can say, all right, you do these five steps, and now it's going to be a, a place where they're going to be, feel safe to open up to you. Um, I don't know that that's possible. Um, hang on. Uh, you had a comment? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if anybody's had the question yet, but... Uh, I ha kind of had a thought um, that I know, like, for me, um, like, just dealing in, like, my relationship with God, um, I, I, like, feel like I don't hide, you know, hide too much stuff, but um, I know that, you know, sometimes, like, if I'm feeling convicted about something and I don't want to stop doing it, um, I just will kind of just try not to think about it, you know, <laughs> and I kind of equate that to, I'm the same way about going into business. Like, I don't like to get my teeth cleaned because I know, like, I have to go, I have, I have probably about six months overdue for a cleaning, but I know they're going to take x-rays, and I'm afraid they're going to find a cavity, and then that means I'm going to have to pay to get dental work done. And I'm still paying off another, you know, dental work right now, so um, I feel like that's how um, I can be in my relationship with God sometimes. Like, I don't, you know, like, if he finds something that, you know, I need mm -hmm. to maybe work on or something, you know, or, like, you know, personally, like, I, you know, um, like, I, I have a hard time not being negative when I talk, you know, so I have to, like, that's something I have to work on, and it's, you know, I'm always like, I'm sorry, Lord, but then it's like, I just do it again, you know, so it's like, you know, I don't deal with this stuff the way. Well, I think that's part of what we're talking about, yeah. is the idea of, because we all do that, Lord knows I do, um, <laughs> And I think that was kind of what Elaine was talking about earlier, where, you know, well, no, I still want to be able to do this thing that I know is not good for me. Um, 
and the bottom line is we have to get to the point where, like Jason was talking about today in service, um, how much time do we have left? Do you want do you want to maximize whatever time it is you have left? That's the bottom line, maybe. You only have X number of days. It could be this is where it's going to end. God forbid, a car accident on the way home and it's over. Did you do all that you could do with the time that you had? Um, yeah, it's being, it's being willing to get to the point where you're finally totally exposed and willing to deal with that cavity. <laughs> Paul, you had a comment, I think? Yeah, uh, going back to what Sue was talking about, how do you make yourself available, I think is what you were, what you were getting at. Uh, uh, years ago at my old church, uh, I was given this opportunity to be a greeter at the door. Uh, and as people are coming in, I'm shaking hands and, you know, hi, how are you doing? Welcome, hi, how are you doing? Welcome, hi, how are you doing? Welcome, get my point. Um, yeah, when our dear friend Chuck came up, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. He came up and he didn't let go of my hand. He got right in my eyes and he says, Paul, it wasn't a hi and you're not listening. He wanted to know how I was. <coughs> it felt different from every, not saying anything bad about anybody because we're coming into church, right? But yeah. um, he, I knew the little bit I knew him, that he was somebody that I could trust with sharing some stuff if I needed to share something. Um, but he was making himself available by looking right in the eye. And he wasn't saying, how are you doing, as he was walking by. He stopped right there. <clears throat> um, and he waited for an answer. He didn't say, how are you doing? I'm fine. You know, it, it, had, a, in a, it had a feeling right there that this is somebody who cares. Yeah. They weren't just being polite, saying hi, how you doing gone. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing. Linda. Oh, Linda. As we're talking about hiding from God and hiding from others, and we also touched on masks and things, when we hide from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, some of the masks we put on, like self-sufficiency or, or whatever, we're, we're actually, we don't want to see what's really going on inside of us. There's, you know, denial and all that kind of stuff happens. So that's just another way of how people hide. Yeah. You know, oh. God knows the motivations of my heart better than I do. Um, if, if we're naked, what are you going to hide? You have no pockets. You have no big baggy shirt to hang to hide some extra weight in. You don't have a coat on to, to hold stuff. The real deal. Yeah, we're not going there. But at the same time, it is that. It is exactly that. It's dealing with. All right, Lord, I have this area of weakness I have you know whatever that may be um, <laughs> I'm sorry Lane I'm not picking on you but she mentioned the shopping thing um, you know that's maybe not how the Lord would want her to spend her resources 
but that doesn't necessarily stop her from doing that. Um, in my case, it's buying car parts and hot rods and stuff like that. God doesn't want me necessarily to not have those things, but he, does, he may have a better way for me to go about serving him where maybe some of those things are part of that. Maybe they're not. But I have to be willing to risk whatever my hopes and dreams and desires are and say, okay, Lord, I'm being totally exposed and I'm willing to reflect what you have for me instead of what I have. Ron, Gene, take your turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the question that you asked because while it's gonna be different for every environment and for every relationship, I think the key has to be that prayer for the other individual first. Because the bottom line is, you can still set up a completely safe environment. And unless they get their, the lies under control that they're telling themselves that are preventing them from sharing, they're still not gonna share. And so it's gonna be really important that our prayers for them, Lord, help them to take captive every lie, help them to take captive every lie, and toss it and put it under submission to you. Because you can do everything you can, and if they're not doing that, you're, you're, and I'm not saying don't expend the effort to make it safe because you have to. Uh -huh. But what I'm saying is it's going to be for naught. And the one, the one thing you can tell is if, and I'm just going to use John as an example, not because I, he's this way at all, but I've given you every reason to be safe. Why aren't you safe? <laughs> Guess what just happened? You just blew everything. And so you can't. You, we have to be consistent with making the environment safe without ever saying a word about it. And praying for that other individual and then allowing them the time to come up. We have to be consistent in our time and consistent with what we're doing and allowing that to be a safe environment. Because if we make one slip up like I just did, guess what? That just blew a year. It really did. In just yeah. one flat second. Well, and that's the... That's a perfect example of the of what we talked about last week with the idea of being intentional. We all talk about, I'm going to go home, I'm going to let my guard down, I'm just going to wear sweats, I'm going to just kick back and do nothing. There is no do nothing. There is, there is always, you always have to be intentional. And you always have to be, not on guard per se, but you always have to be ready. You always have to be prepared. If I if I go home and we get home and I'm sloppy and don't care and not paying attention to anything, then all of a sudden now I'm stepping on her toes and she's feeling neglected or ignored or something like that. I need to be paying attention to all that stuff. And that's part of that's part of what we're talking about here is is exactly that. Jean? I think we also need to remember that even if we're doing our best to listen to people, we're still going to posture in a way that helps protect our scars. You know, even if you're walking around naked, you still have residue. I mean, all of us, we're, we're alive. So we, we have yeah. injuries and hurts that, that may not be completely healed over, you know, maybe scars that are still sensitive. Um, and we need to remember that everyone is like that. 
So yeah. even if we're saying, well, we're completely vulnerable and we're, you know, we're, we're, we've laid it all out on the table, we haven't. Uh-huh. You know, there's, there's no way that any of us can see 360 when someone's naked. We're only seeing part. You know, we may be walking around naked, but I'm going to either hide my front or I'm going to hide my back or I'm going to hide some part of me because I cannot be present in all yeah. areas. And I think sometimes we forget that because we feel like we're more, I'm going to use the term, enlightened than the other person. And, you know, we, we want them to be as enlightened as us, um, you know, as free or as healed as us or, you know, whatever the case may be. But really, there's still parts of us that we're hiding and we're, we're protecting. Yeah, go ahead, John. I like what Jean is saying. But there are many places that we are scarred that we don't even get know that we're scarred. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So in our attempt to be naked, we can only be as naked as we understand from where we are. Yeah. Because there are probably still levels of hurt and, and different things that are going on with me that I have yet to really discover. Mm-hmm. But knowing that the work the Lord is doing a work that at some point as I go through life, that hopefully I will be able to see that. And then just to speak on one more thing, what Linda said um, in terms of wearing masks to protect ourselves. Um, that's very true because I realize in myself, I've done things that I've done things that I've let my own guard down, that I've covered my myself because I've let myself down. Yeah. Right. That I've done things that I was disappointed that, you know, I've done and I should have known better. Yeah. So the pain of that even causes me to wear a mask so that I don't look at those things that are, we're not even talking about God now. Yeah. We're talking about places where, you know, I've done something and wow, you know, Joe, you should have been better. And Gene has talked about before getting to a place yeah. where we can look at forgiveness in many different areas. But do we learn to forgive ourselves? Mm-hmm. Do we cause ourselves so much trauma that we put a mask on, right? And we'll look at forgiveness and forgive all kinds of people. <clears throat> But we won't forgive ourselves <coughs> because of some place where we've injured ourselves. Johnny, you had a just I was just where Paul was when when it came down to him just having that handshake from I think he said Chuck. Yeah. I think it come down to trust. You know, it's one thing for me to 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 you know pray to God and confess you know everything to God, but I have to trust God through people. I have to learn to get to that because that's, I believe that's how God works. Uh, it's one thing for me to, you know, the scripture said, you know, confess your faults, you know, to God and he'll forgive you, you know. Uh, it also says confess them to one another uh-huh. that we can be healed. I, I think that uh, that's so important and in, in, in what uh, Sue was asking is that that environment and a lot of times you know, when, when I know someone care, it's easy for me to yeah. come to you Absolutely. and mm-hmm. to, to tell you my faults, whatever I may be going yeah. through. And it's easier for, I mean, it could be something heated, 
and my wife, I know my wife care for me, and, and, and it, it's not always that it come over the right way, but she cares enough at times to tell me the truth, even in the heated moment. Yeah. And it's for me at that point to trust that even though it came across, you know, the way I may see it as being wrong or whatever, that she cared enough to say it and not allow me to stay in that point. But it, all, it, it comes down to trusting. Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't trust you, Dave, to come to you and, and tell you, I mean, how can it be a you're safe not, environment? You're, you're not gonna have that connection. Yeah. Not at all. Paul, you have a comment real yeah. quick? Yeah, yeah. quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Lord speaks to us through our brothers and sisters, through our spouses. Uh, and when we have gotten to that point, I'll, I'll speak personally, when I've gotten to that point that I've actually heard it, right? I can hear it, hear it, hear it, but when I actually hear it, some of my best times with the Lord came about from something Jean said years ago. I think it was you, Jean, you recognize this. She talked about confessing to the Lord literally in the shower. When you think of that prophetic symbolism, we're physically we're naked, that clean water's coming out, we're coming clean in the physical realm. But when I'm busy confessing to the Lord, because I finally heard something that Ron said or you said or Joe said or, you know, who knows, when it finally sunk in, it's like, wow, Lord, I am blowing this and I confess it as sin. Somehow, in the shower, sometimes that's my best time with the Lord. Yeah. More often than not, yeah, I'm getting ready for work, I'm coming to church, I got, you know, time pressure. But once that word sinks in, when I'm in the shower, I plan. Like, okay, I'm going to be in the shower. I don't have that time pressure when I'm talking to Daddy. Uh, it's just, it's been a tool. Thank you. It's been a tool that has been Well, and here's, just to close this out real quick, because we're going to run out of time. But, and here's the good news of this whole thing. According to 2 Peter 1, 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And that is, if we, if our relationship with the Lord is sincere and we're getting up close and we're getting naked with God, He's given us the power. He's given us the ability to get there and to, to live this life that He's called us to do. It's not going to be perfect every time and we're going to offend each other or bump, bump heads and have issues. But if we're doing that part, He's going to live through us, and we're going to be able to do this life. Um, yeah, we're way out of time. But I just want to, I, I, I just, I want everybody to know that this is something that the Lord has given us power to do. It's not easy, by any means. Um, and there's a lot more to it. That book is far thicker than these five pages, but... Um, He's given us that power, and we need to be able to get to Him so that He can run through us and uh, demonstrate it in our lives. So, um, Jean has one quick announcement. Uh, so, we'll pray, close in prayer, and then you. Does that sound good? Joe, do you mind closing us in prayer? Lord, Father, we just thank you, um, Father, for this awesome teaching. Lord, we thank you because. You um, created us for relationship, created us to be in relationship with you and one another. And Father, we know that through our time in the world, Lord, that we have been scarred by many things. Some, Lord, that we have brought upon ourselves, some, Lord, brought upon us through no act of our own. 
And so, Father, we thank you for being such a loving God because, Father, you want to heal us in the places where we are. So, Father, I just pray that this word that you have brought through Anne and Dave, Lord, sinks deep into our spirit. That, Father, that we would no longer be afraid. That, Lord, we would not be like Adam. That when God asks us, where are we? That we would say that we were hiding because we were afraid. That, God, you love us perfectly, so perfect love casts out all fear. So I pray in the name of Jesus that wherever we are, what things, Lord, that we have us may have us bound, Lord, wherever areas that we we may be wearing masks, Father, to cover up our fear against one another, against you, or even ourselves, Lord, that you would help us begin to uncover that mask and that the, the glory of the Lord would shine on us. And that, Father, that we will walk into the light and then, Father, that we may give you all the things there. And then, Lord, that you can wrap your arms around us and love us as a loving Father that you are. And, Father, I also ask, Lord, that all of us in this class begin to understand the ministry that you've given us. For Second Corinthians say that we have a ministry of reconciliation as God is making his appeal through us. That, Father, that we will be ministers of reconciliation to our spouses, to our friends, to our children, to our co-workers, our neighbors, to our spouses, Lord. That, Father, that we would be those safe places. We would be those safe harbors, Lord, that those that, Lord, can come out and be able to speak, Lord, vulnerably. And, Lord, that we would love them with the love of Christ. Father, help us to do this today. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Joe. Uh, quick announcement is regarding uh, Harmon. Those of you that know her, her son graduated from...